0: But she can get the tape. Well, I, bet I got a good idea. <laughs> so just run we're gonna run this lady Easter off before she even gets started. Run through the Easter Bunny. <laughs> well, we I I that. can't just run through the Easter Bunny. <laughs> <sighs> I really can't. Well, basically, what it comes out of. Let me let me let me just give it to you in a nutshell, and then I'll come back sometime and teach it in detail. But I've got to go back into church history to teach it to you. Okay, it comes back from the Revelation chapter two from the Pergamus Church Age, when um, Constantine, the last quote-unquote pagan emperor of Rome, who saw a cross in the sky at the Battle of Melvian Bridge and made Christianity the official religion, it comes from his from his um, decade. Now let me just let me just preface what I'm going to say because the things I'm going to say are rather blatant. And then let me let me give at least a little Bible background. Turn to Revelation chapter, chapter 2, and let's look at verse uh, 12. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12. Gosh, I hate doing this cold turkey. I really do. We'll go I wish you'd have heard poor old George Rocher when he got on that. He, he took my class over in junior high up there. And uh, that was in September, and he was there three months, and Christmas came around. And he preached on Santa Claus, and I guess they liked to impeach him after that one. I don't know. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12. Like I said in the article, any question is fair game. So I'm going to address this, even though I don't really want to. Well, I was listening. the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Now, first off, what's a sword for? Dividing Hebrews chapter four verse twelve he has a sharp sword that goeth out of his mouth that he divides with its soul and spirit and the, the, the bones and the marrow. And the Bible says that is the word of God. The, the the two-edged sword by Bible definition, according to Hebrews four twelve, is the book in your lap. So Jesus Christ is saying, and He's there with a sharp <laughs> two-edged sword. Now, first off, would this lead to believe you that He is going to talk to this church of Pergamos in a passive manner? Or in an active manner, holding a sword in his hand. Active, okay. Boy, I hate to do this. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in, look at this now, where Satan dwelleth but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing I what? Now who's talking here? Jesus Christ. Now this, that very verse will rattle a lot of Christians cages because most Christians have an idea of Jesus Christ as being a bleeding Savior who died because he loved the world. That's true, amen? But God is a perfect God and and again I'm not going to run rabbit trails. I'm going to get in into this as quickly as I can. But God is a God who is perfect and because of that God is perfect in love, 1 John chapter 4, but He's also perfect in justice. He is merciful, which is His love side. But for those who do not accept His mercy, He is also perfect in judgment. And for us to understand God, you must have a fair balance. For every verse you can show me on the love of God and the Word of God, I can show you two on God's judgment of this world. Let me say that again. For every verse you can show me on the love of God, I can show you five on God's judgment of the world, now that's very critical. The book of Proverbs says that God abhorreth a false va- balance. So if we're going to do it God's way, and is that our goal, Amen? amen. To do it God's way, then we're going to have to get the proper perspective of God. Now that Bible is the very best way to take it as it stands. We go on, verse 16: Repent, or else I will come quickly under thee or come unto thee quickly. And will fight against them with the what? The sword of my mouth. Back to reference in verse twelve, Hebrews four twelve, Revelation nineteen eleven and twelve, verse seventeen. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, which I and I, blah, blah, blah 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 And I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving. He that receiveth it. Now, let me give you a quick background (coughs) as to what we're talking about here, and then I'll answer your question. God has given us, in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, God has given us a mini-course in church history. There are seven churches. And let me give them to you, because I'm going through it. The first church is the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus is uh, the first letter found in chapter 2, verses 1 and on. And the church of Ephesus goes from the time of the cross up till 200 AD. Okay? Now, the next church is found in verse 8, and it's the church of Smyrna. Now, the church of Smyrna goes from 200 up to 312 A.D. Okay? Verse 12, you have the church of Pergamos, which is the church we just read. The church of Pergamos runs from 312 to 606. Okay? It runs from Constantine up to Boniface the third. The next one is found in verse 18, and it is Thyatira. The church of Thyatira runs from 606 up to 1500, which is the end of the Dark Ages, Martin Luther, John Calvin, those boys, when there's a a Reformation moving out of the Dark Ages, the Roman Catholic Church, into uh, the Reformation. Now, Then Thyatira, after that, we drop over to chapter um, 3, verse 1, and the next church is the church of Sardis. The church of Sardis runs from 1500 up to 1725. Then in verse 7 of chapter 3, you have the church of Philadelphia, which is the church of brotherly love that runs from 1725 to around 1900. And then lastly, in chapter 3, verse 14, we have the church of Laodicea. Where am I at here? Laodicea, and it runs from around 1900 to the rapture. Now, let me be honest with you. All scripture has how many applications? 3, Three applications. What are they? Historical, doctrinal. Historical. Historical, what actually happened. Inspirational, what is inspirational? How it applies to you. Applies to you. Doctrinal. <coughs> what is God trying to teach you? Historically, there were 7 literal churches in Asia Minor that John wrote to. Okay? Inspirationally, seven literal church age, church er, periods of the church age that make up and teach us church history from God's perspective. Doctrinally, what is God trying to teach? Seven literal churches in the tribulation period. That's the doctrinal application of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Seven literal churches that will be about here in the tribulation that will make up one for every year of the seven-year tribulation. Okay? Now, we are here talking about Pergamos. Okay? We're talking about the church age of Pergamos. Now, let me give you a little background about Pergamos. Around 312, right around 300, Constantine is out to to uh, to um, uh, take to expand the Roman Empire. And he's going to have a battle, and again I mentioned to you the ma- the battle of Melvian Bridge, to where he's outnumbered almost two to one. And he's going to go ahead and fight the thing, even though he'll probably lose. And he gets to the place where he's about to lose, and about to die, and all these things are going on. And he looks up, and he sees a cross in the sky. And that cross hears a voice that says, By this sign, conquer and so Constantine then goes out and completely dominates the battle of Melvian Bridge and wins the battle and goes to town and so he then makes Christianity the state religion. Okay? He then leaves Rome and goes to, um, uh, goes and, and founds a city or takes an existing city and renames it Constantinople, which is in Turkey. And he then reigns the empire from Constantinople and sets up a bishop at Rome to then run the western half of his empire while he runs the eastern half of his empire. And he has then made Christianity, who just 50 years earlier was trying to be stamped out and wiped off the face of the earth, in the period of 50 years, it becomes the, the national, the world religion of the world-dominating empire, and henceforth, then uh, Christianity becomes entrenched. Now, get this. The word "Pergamus" means much married. Okay? The word Pergamos means much married. Now, during the church age, or the church time of Pergamos, the church becomes amalgamated and marries the world system. And this marriage takes place through Constantine's um, edict of it becoming the world religion. Now, from this thing, and I'm not going to tarry, you then see how the Pope then came as a power Constantine set up the Bishop of Rome to run the western part of, the st- of his empire as he ran the eastern part from Constantinople. And that is the beginning of the papal papacy in Rome. Now, when Constantine did this, he was a pagan Greek. Everything Constantine believed in was based upon Socrates, Plato, and all of the humanistic Greek philosophies. Now, let me say this. If I deny, and I can do this, if you doubt this, I can prove this to you without any doubt. In fact, you can if you go to the public library and spend about three hours. (coughs) Constantine never, ever in his life professed a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, Constantine elevated himself to the place where he was the 13th Apostle. In fact, in Constantinople you will find the Church of the Apostles, in which Constantine set out to find the remains of the original 12 Apostles and had them taken to Constantinople where he attempted to be buried uh, with six Apostles on one side and six Apostles on the other and him in the middle. Eusebius who is called the father of church history, said, Constantine is the only mortal who ever reigned on this earth after his death. Eusebius, the one who is acclaimed as the great father of church history, said that Constantine was a man like God himself. Constantine was baptized just before his death to get salvation. And uh, Constantine never in his life, in fact, you know, if you'll read Philip Schaff's church history, you'll find that they will say about Constantine during this church period that Christianity swept the world. Do you know why? Constantine gave a reward for you to become a Christian. He would give you five bucks for being baptized a Christian. And henceforth, either by bribery or by a sword to the throat, men across the face of Europe and Asia Minor were baptized into the Christian faith. okay now do you understand where I'm going with this? Our purpose tonight is not to teach church history. there is some very shocking things that take <coughs> place in this church in this period of church history. Now because of Con of, of, Const- of Constantine's past, Beliefs in Greek mythology and Greek, Greek philosophy, and his newfound religion, quote unquote, because of the voice and the sign in the sky, he then began merging his two religions into one. And because of Pergamos being much marriage, if we read through that thing, all Jesus Christ does is rebuke and chastise this church you want to take a second look back over the verses we read he rebukes he chastises he threatens why because satan's seat is involved in this church period satan has a throne a seat somewhere in a place of prominence where real christians are being martyred by satan so there is great satanic great demonic influence in this time. Okay? Let me stop. Any questions? Before I answer your question about the Easter Bunny. No. Anybody not believe me? Yes. Was this the period that you to as Well, that's later. Like, that's in these two periods here. That's actually Thyatira and Sardis. Now, yes. The, the cross and the voice that, the cross and that is a very interesting study. You ever watch King Arthur's and round tables? You ever notice Constantine had on all of his swords and everything he had this symbol? Not pardon, me, I did it wrong. He had this symbol placed on all of his on all of his um, yeah, right. swords and everything he did. That was the cross that Constantine saw in the sky. Now, I'm not going to go into it tonight, but if you will study your Bible out of the book of Daniel, you will find that there are seven different kingdoms, the last one being the kingdom of the Antichrist, that are in church history and culminate with the Antichrist, of satanic rule and influence this world. And we go through and name them for you tonight. And every one of them have a form of that cross. In fact, if you were to take and look at German, pardon me, (coughs) at German uh, materialism, and and I'm not the expert on this like Bob Alexander is because he's a World War II nut. He's got about 400 German helmets in his basement. He's got mannequins set up. I mean, he's he knows this stuff, and to hear Bob teach the thing about the cross, it's impressive because he knows it. I don't, I don't spend my time learning about German crosses, but the highest order in the German army was the such-and-such such cross, and what these things are, are, these are a form of the same thing Constantine used in his thing, and they go through in the six Reichs that have been, starting with Constantine up, and there have been six different empires, the book of Daniel lays out for you, that come up that are used by the devil to prepare and to try to do his purpose. And this cross is the same type thing that goes into it. Now, during this time, and this is where I'm going, during this time because of Constantine's never professing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because of his crossbreeding and again, marriage with the world, by taking Christianity and the empires of this world and making them one, we then see a merging into Christianity of many things. Example. Easter. I hate doing this. Easter. You want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? Okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't get, get mad at me. Go, go read your history book. Easter. It could all be documented in public library. Ashtar. <coughs> the goddess Ashtar in Babylonian and Egyptian and Roman societies. Ashtar. She was the fertility god. If you'll study your Bible and study cults throughout the thing, and I've got a book that nails this down, and this book has never been refuted. It's called The Two Babylons by Hislop. And if you want to know about this stuff, read it. It will bore you to tears, but read it anyway. It is like reading a uh, master's, uh, a Ph.D. C- uh, chemistry book. I mean, it is nastiest reading in the world, dry as it can be. But the facts are there if you want to wade through and get them. ashtoreth was the goddess of fertility. She was the sex god. That was her whole purpose. If you study your Bible in the Book of Acts, you have. Remember Diana at Ephesus? Remember that? She is the same version of Ashtar in a different culture. Every time you have a cult or a pagan religion, get this: you always. Let me say this again. You always. One more time. You always have a female deity. That's one of Satan's marks. You always. Have a female deity. And this female deity starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 11 and comes all the way through. In fact, Hislop takes the world religion that we all know and have grown to love now and traces all the way back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And does it by facts and does it by... great. And again, if I need to back this up, we'll go back and touch on the book of Judges in just a few minutes if you want me to. Now, Ashtar, Diana, the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 16, says that Paul and Silas go into there, or maybe it's Barnabas, and they go into the town and they shut the town down. All their idols of, Di- of Diana are put out of business. The silversmiths, and they have an uproar. And they say that uh that, that they're going to put the temple of Diana and the image that fell from Jupiter out of business. Now we know Genesis chapter 6. Where the sons of God came down, the daughters of men. We've taught that, and if you've not heard that, we've got it on tape. Tapes are free. Now, we all know from our Bible that there are people coming down. The gods come down to man. We all we we know that we've documented that. Now, Ashtar, this female deity that is a god of sexual and sensuality. She, according to Plato, I believe, or Socrates, one of those two boys, himself, as he recounted it, said she fell out of heaven from Jupiter, and because, I don't know how they did this, she was supposed to have fallen out in an egg, and probably landed in some mud somewhere, and because of that, she fell out of heaven, just like Acts chapter 16, where the image of Diana fell out of heaven. She fell out of heaven to earth, and henceforth, again, again, I'm not going to go into it. But eggs are a type of uh, reproduction. Chickens lay eggs. Fish lay eggs. You know what I'm saying? Okay, reproduction of the, uh, you know, in, in, even even in humans. Now, that thing came about to where uh, Saturday or Eostar, Ashtar. Is the holiday in which the pagan world worshiped and the pagan world honored Ashtar the goddess from heaven and if you know anything about Baal worship you know that they had prostitutes in their temples and their services were all based around intercourse and fornication and adultery that's documented without without question now they would come in their in their rites and their rituals. They would do. You want me to teach you straight, don't you? Pull any punches? No. They would come about in their rituals, and these type things, and their sexual acts, and worshiping their gods. And they would come to the place to where they would, um, uh, you know, where they would, they would, you know, these these great orgies would go on. Now, um, before I pull the line down, turn back to Genesis chapter eleven. I can see this is gonna go long tonight this thing I was going to answer and get it over with is going to encompass the whole life but you need to hear this stuff you really do now in Genesis chapter 11 you have a in chapter 10 you have a man named Nimrod Nimrod is the great hunter now let me see if I can get this story straight because it's been a while Nimrod was married to a woman whose name I believe was Cinerabbas. okay Well, I'm not going to read your verses. I'm just taking you to the place where it's found. Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 11. Nimrod in his town uh, of Babel builds a temple, a tower to the heavens. Right, let's read it. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was one language and one speech. And it came to pass, they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to... Let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower. Now look at the next next verse. verse. Whose top, whose what? Whose what? Top. top. Notice, the top is what's important. Whose top may reach unto heaven and let us... Make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They knew the consequence of their sin before they did it. See it? Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one what? Language. And this uh, they begin to do and I want you to underline the next next sentence and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do do you know something my friend they would have got the tower to reach the heaven from God's own mouth whatever they set their minds to do he said they will accomplish I've got a book at home that I may let bring to church it's out of print now but it is a fascinating book. And the title of the book is this, Did Genesis Man Conquer Space? And this guy is sometimes is really off the wall. But he lays down some things that are fantastic and phenomenal as far as what could have been. Can you imagine what it would have been like? We take some men and, and, and like Orville, the people Orville work with, that in 60 or 70 years amassed a great amount of information, don't they? We've got some extremely... Think of Albert Einstein and the great genius he amassed in, what, 60 or 70 years. Right? Amen? You with me? Now, what could a man have done had he lived to be 800 years old? Think about that. What could a man have done who spoke face to face with the gods Genesis chapter 6 Amen what things could have come about now the Bible says that whatever they decide to do nothing will be restrained from them so what did God do God came down destroyed the tower confused the language and scattered them right now Nimrod was the organizer of this thing Genesis chapter 10 Nimrod had a wife named Semiramis. Now the story goes, in Babylonian, in Baal, in Baal worship, that Nimrod died. And he died, but he, being immortalized as one of the gods, sent a sunbeam down and impregnated his wife, Semiramis, and out of that... um, and out of that uh, thing, a son was born named Tamu, T-A-M-O-U. Now, Tamu died later in life. And because of Sinorabbos' great because of Sinorabbos' great mourning, she proclaimed a 40-day fast mourning the death of Tamu. At which time, when the end of the 40 days was over. Tamu was raised again from the dead. You can go and get Babylonian uh, books and read that today in the public library. It's fact. Now, that's mythology. That's what they believed. Application. Who else do you know that was impregnated without intercourse? Mary? Mary. Was her husband supposed to was her the father supposed to have been a god? Was both were both sons killed? Were both sons resurrected? I can show you and I will give you a list of one, two, three, four, five, six different cultures that have the exact same story in them before Christ was ever born. That's interesting. He's the seventh. I didn't realize that till just now. Seven's God's number, perfect number, completeness. Now, do you know of a church or a denomination who spend forty days mourning the death of a son, and at the end of the forty days he's resurrected? Does anybody know of a church or religion today that does that? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Lent. Yeah, Lent. That's Lent. Now, Lent is just one example of Constantine fool around with the church. In the Babylonian society, it was and Nusimus Tamu. <coughs> In the Assyrian uh, Nineveh society, Ishtar, uh, I, I skipped one. In the Phoenician society, Ashtoreth, our lady from the fell down she was the god and her son was Baal. Who is the god that children of Israel kept worshipping instead of our the true god? Baal. Baal worship. In the Assyrian, it was Ishtar was the mother, Baal was the son. In the Egyptian, get this, in the Egyptian culture, Isis, ever heard of Isis? was the mother that was impregnated. Her son was Aras uh, Osasuerus, O-S-Y-R-U-S. In the Greek society, Aphrodite was the mother. You ever think of a word we know of an Aphrodite? Yeah, right. right, Aphrodite, right? You know, follow up you know where I'm going? And Ar- Arouse was the mother, probably, which or the son, which probably has great things to arouse and that type of word. In the, in the Egyptian society, get this now, Demas was the mother, D-E-M-A-S, and Cupid was the son born by a virgin birth. You can learn a lot from studying history, can't you? Now, Constantine, because of his pagan background, because of his Greek philosophy, not being born again, never any one time in any writing, and there's books written on him, did he ever confess Jesus Christ as Savior. Okay, get that. He then brought in Ashtoreth, this goddess of sensuality, who fell out of heaven in an egg, who we then get Easter from, that we, surf, that we celebrate today. You see, I don't believe that. In the book of Acts, in about chapter 7 or chapter 8, Easter is mentioned in your King James Bible. It happened long before Jesus Christ ever raised him from the dead. It was an established. It was an established thing. <coughs> I see you're going to go look. Let me give you the reference. Uh, where's it at? They're in prison. or going to jail. And they get out about the time of Easter. Where is it at? Acts 12, 4. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four Quaternians of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Who did this? Herod the Great see Herod was going to bring him out after his religious holiday speaking about Peter Now, Eastar, which you wear your wear your Ashtarth bonnets, with all the frill and bonnets, you know that, that thing? Just like 12, 4. Acts 12-4 No, I, I am wrong, Acts 11 or, I'm in Genesis 11, no wonder I can't find it Now somehow and I don't know I don't, I don't know the, the purpose the reason for this but for some reason and I can I could probably go back and dig it's been a long I don't go through this stuff every day I don't keep myself fresh on these facts and dates been a long time so I've been through this probably about eight years but bunnies are always attached to reproduction when a woman wants to know if she's pregnant what do we say did the <coughs> rabbit die Rabbits reproduce like crazy. If you've ever owned a rabbit, you know I'm telling you the truth. Do you ever find it strange or queer that when you Hefner decided to spread his pornography around, what did he choose to dress his people up like? There's something in this world, in the god of this world, Satan, there's something that goes back through that thing and puts eggs and rabbits and the whole thing together as being very fertile, sexual, sensual things that go back to their gods. So you watch that thing. You gotta watch that thing. So what do we do? We celebrate a thing, and here's how the Easter egg hunts got started. In the pagan societies, they would go out and hide eggs, and the kids would find them in worship of Ashtoreth falling out of heaven. You know what happened? In the much-married Pergamos age, paganism and the church joined hands. And because the Roman Catholic Church was in power and because she was coming up and getting strong at this time, (coughs) it was incorporated as church dogma. And to this day remains. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever seen this? What is it? What what is it though? You ever heard the one? In the catacombs, because of the great persecution, the Christians would go up and they would say, Hi, how are you today, Terry? Fine. And he would take his toe in the dirt as they talked and he would draw half the fish. And if he was a Christian, he would draw the other half of the fish and Fearing if they mentioned they were Christians, they would be killed. You ever heard that one? Oh, come on, man. That was big. But ten, maybe that's before you guys got saved. About uh, 10 years ago. I mean, that was the big thing. Back in the Jesus movement, the 670, 75, yeah. 78, it was the big thing about the fish. You ever heard of a god named Dagon? The fish god? <laughs> His day was Friday. They worshiped him. Do you know of anybody that eats fish on Friday? I quit. Next question. I ain't going any further. Did you say every cult had a woman? Female deity. You can go back. This two Babylons does this. He has got in the book um, pictures going clear back 3,500 years before Christ of a female deity holding her virgin-born son below her head. If you will look in church quote-unquote pictures, Mary is always higher than Jesus Christ. She is called the Mother of God. She, in, in Roman Catholic doctrine, is above Christ. She's above the Holy Spirit in Roman Catholic doctrine. Why? Female deity. You can trace this book to this so aptly. And again, people get mad when you talk like this. And I don't like to talk like this. But, the question was asked, and I'm going to... You want me to lie to you? You want me to pull punches with you? Do you? If you do, I'll keep my mouth shut. I mean, I know how to influence friends and win people, and I'm not doing that tonight. Is that, is that true in today's cult? Yes. But yeah. a cult, but Never mind. A cult what is what simply is a group of people that believe wrong. Up, okay, we'll get to it. Get to it. Now, there's so much information I mean I'm gonna teach you recorded history to put this in perspective for you I really do I'm gonna teach you from Genesis 11 all the way through and I will do that when I when I get moved down here and we get time we can meet on a Wednesday night and I can go through every Wednesday night and teach you over about a year's period history and lay it out of the Word of God teach you you'll be surprised the focus you'll get on why we do what we do tonight's just a little a little a little dip of pudding but you take that thing and you run it back through, you've got the same figures, the same people copied and forged as, as Mary and Jesus all the way back through. And you know what happened? And this is to give you a great synopsis you have to trust me on. And if you don't want to believe it, I can prove it to you. It just may take me a week. Um, what happened was Satan attempted to stamp out the church of Jesus Christ. And he couldn't do it. So what he did? He corrupted her from within. And when we study church history, not pre-Christ, but church history, I will show you the subtleties whereby one year at a time a false doctrine was dropped in here, a false doctrine was dropped in here, a false doctrine was dropped in here by good godly men. But over 300 years, it came to the place to where it completely left the Word of God and church tradition became the authority, not your Bible. And whenever men believe the Bible as their authority, you keep heresy to a minimum. But when you leave the Word of God and go by what I say or you say or the church teaches, then the church is the authority, not the Word of God. So then you go by the traditions of the church fathers and you hear about the church fathers, the post nicene fathers, the anti nicene fathers and what these men all said and they build doctrine. For example, the Immaculate Conception. What is that, Bev? Remember? Okay, but it's more than that. Mary was a perpetual virgin the rest of her life and also she never died, right? She was taken to heaven. The Bible says very plainly Jesus had brothers and sisters. Now what do you mean the immaculate conception? You see what I'm saying? Some guy had an anchovy pizza about 200 AD, had heartburn when I had a dream, and got this great idea, and all of a sudden, 300 years later it became church doctrine. You'd never find that in your Bible. You You would spend the rest of your life and never get close. Maybe they brought his mother and his brother and came to Jesus and they said, But your mom and your brother, and he says, Who are my mother and my brother? But he that keepeth my commandments is my brethren. He even even put his own family aside for his teaching. And then the, the James, the man who wrote the book of James in your Bible New Testament, was the Lord's brother. The Lord's physical brother who didn't get saved until after he saw him come up out of the grave get anybody saved see your brother crucified <laughs> die go on the ground three of them are walking around that'd make me a believer I know that for sure now the point being this America and the world because they do not have a Bible anymore have been duped and have been fooled and we've got all these little things we do unknowing why we take them and believe them and practice them not knowing where they came from that little thing what the bible says a cross is the bible says a cross is an accursed thing But anyone that hangs on a cross is to be cursed <laughs> Pope alexander says i like it so much and please pardon me for being having a little brevity here he says could you imagine what would have happened if jesus christ would have come in our day instead of back then and then put him in a gas chamber could you imagine a christian around wearing little gas chambers around their neck i mean think about it honestly can't you see women wearing gas chambers on their ears? Or if they had given them a lethal injection, little syringes? I mean, let's be honest. The Bible says a cross is a cursed thing. You want to wear a cross? Go right ahead. Praise God. Hallelujah. I know what, it, what people think it means. The Bible says something totally different. Let me go a step further. In about 1500, and let me see if I can get the name. Or maybe you can have it just this. Um, Uh, It'll come to me in just a minute as I I start talking. In Egyptian culture, they worship the gods through albigestus, I believe, is what I want to say. They are a square, elongated thing that stand up in the air and have a point on the top. And they were used totally and completely in Baal worship and in Egyptian cultures. And in about the 1500, one of the popes said, I want that here, and he was sent down, it took about two years, but they had one brought out of Egypt. You're you're ahead of me, brother. He had one brought up and put in front of St. Peter's Square in Vatican City, and you watch it today, you'll see it. It's still in front of that cathedral. The Washington Monument is the largest albigest, I believe is the way you say it, in the world, and it is nothing more than a a building or a high place to worship pagan gods through. And you know why? Do you know we have those things at? <coughs> America's got the Washington Monument, which I have no problem with. I was there this summer. I didn't go up in it, but I I kissed it. No, I didn't. I just kissed. <laughs> we have the Washington Monument the Eskimos have a totem pole. You know what America has and Europe has? are Are you sitting down? Church steeples. Genesis chapter 11, whose top may reach unto heaven. Did you ever wonder why they build these great cathedrals in Europe that are five and six hundred feet high with this great big point going to the sky? Did you ever wonder about that? Why? Constantine. What your King James Bible clear up a lot of problems? That's what they built in Jesus chapter 11. What? That they might get to heaven and worship the gods. So they built this tower whose top may reach into heaven. So we built our churches unknowingly with steeples pointing to heaven. Well, hey, if I passed in a church oh, and had a steeple, well, bell's another thing. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> if I passed a church as a steeple, I wouldn't tear it down. I just know where it came from. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's not on dollar bills even. You've seen it's got the eye with the thing in it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, would you ever look at a dollar bill? Did you ever wonder why it's got an eye on it? Yeah. Did you ever wonder about those things? We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> now.